Welcome to Hired Leaders, the companion podcast to the book, Pass Fail, The Urgent Need for Strategic Leadership in Higher Education. I'm Suzanne Brinker, and with my co-host, Audra Delaney-Hall, I will be bringing you conversations with presidents and VPs at America's colleges and universities to look at how we can transform and lead our institutions for a sustainable future. Hi, Carrie. Audra and I are so excited to be chatting with you today. Hi there. I'm excited to be here. We work together through Viv with Babson, so we know each other. But I feel like there's so much about you that I still want to learn more about. Part of it is because I worked for Northeastern, which is where you came from. So I have a lot of questions about that. And then Babson, of course, which is an institution that the whole Viv team has come to love so much um, for a variety of reasons. But before we get there, why don't you give us an overview of your higher ed journey? How did you first get to work with colleges and universities? And what was the journey to your CMO role that you have at Babson now? Sure. Well, I like to start by sharing my journey and say that it started right as I was experiencing my own college experience. I am a first-generation college student in my entire family. I was the first one to go on to college within all of my family. And for me, my education changed my life. I went to Bentley College at the time. It's now Bentley University. And I had a tremendous experience um, studying business, marketing, meeting some really wonderful people, including my husband and lots of great friends and folks um, that just really opened a lot of doors for me at the time. Um, I graduated from Bentley. I knew I wanted to do something in marketing. I wanted to explore the advertising world. I, I spent some time in advertising agencies as interns and early on in my career. I spent some time in PR agencies early on, and that was in the dot-com era where there was foosball tables and lots of great uh, refrigerators and snacks and all of that. But at the time, I knew right away that I did not want to stay in PR as a specific discipline I wanted to explore and really get a sense of marketing and marketing strategy. I stumbled upon upon a job that was at Bentley at the time. It was an assistant director of marketing, and I thought, Bentley changed my life. Education changed my life. What could be better than marketing a product that you truly love? So I went to Bentley as my first higher ed marketing experience, and I just fell in love. I fell in love with the idea of being able to introduce a brand to people that were like me that didn't know what education could do for them at the time. I spent about four or five years at Bentley really exploring marketing from the central marketing part of the organization. I really loved working with folks across the organization. And at the time when it was time to make a move, I made a very specific move to head over to Northeastern because they um, were hiring an enrollment marketer. And at the time, it was the very first marketing person that was embedded within enrollment working with the dean of admissions. And that for me was so intriguing because what I was missing up to that point of my career was the strategic component. I understood the project management. I understood the deadline, how to work with clients and customers. But I was really missing that strategic component. I went to Northeastern and I never looked back. I spent 15 years there building the enrollment marketing space there. I had a tremendous experience working with some really wonderful people, lots of innovation, lots of opportunities, definitely challenges. Uh, way back when we released admission decisions for the first time online, I remember being in a war room and just having this, these tremendous experiences. And when it was time again to examine what was next, Babson came along. And the reason I came to Babson was very specifically because we were trying to build out an enrollment marketing um, arm within 
college marketing. So I've been at Babson for about five years, and my primary focus has been building a marketing strategic, a strategic marketing organization that is responsible for brand reputation and enrollment marketing. Amazing. So now you're CMO at Babson. You left Northeastern as VP, right? Yeah. So yeah. technically you were in a similar role, but now it's just a little bit more centralized. Um, yeah. Were they very different, those two jobs, the last job you had at Northeastern and the job you have at Babson now? Yeah, so it's just a good point to call out because when I left Northeastern, I left as VP of Enrollment Management and Enrollment Marketing, specifically within the professional education space. At Northeastern, in my last probably three years of being there, we were focused on building out a um, business unit within the organization that fell within enrollment that was focused in professional lifelong learning. And I had a tremendous mentors and folks that I worked with over there, as I said. And along the career journey, I started to oversee business operations, enrollment operations, enrollment management, again, all very specifically in the professional adult lifelong learning audience. And so when I left there, I left the enrollment management piece of my title and my responsibility behind. Um, at Babson, I oversee central marketing. But because I have that experience from an enrollment management perspective, um, I, I think building that enrollment marketing part of the organization here at Babson in a central way, I've been able to partner with our VP of enrollment management. We have a tremendous relationship, great relationship. And we really focus on what we need to do to partner between enrollment management and marketing. So I think from my background, it's, it is unique in that I've blended the ability to see marketing from that enrollment perspective. And that's really why the role at Babson was a great fit for me. Yeah. I mean, I think about you being at Northeastern from like the mid 2000s to 2018, I think that was not just a time where you transformed your career and really jumped so many levels within Northeastern, but also a time of just incredible transformation for the university from previously more of a commuter, locally known school to top global university, which is probably one of the one, two, three examples people always cite in the space of higher ed when it comes to, look, they did it. They transformed themselves. Well, yeah. like, I mean, you already talked a little bit about it, that it was just this incredible experience for you. But what are some of the yeah. maybe three key things that you think Northeastern got right during those 15 years that a lot of other institutions could probably learn from? Yeah, it's I, I think Northeastern is such a... Um, gem in higher education. And it's, it's a great example of just really capitalizing on opportunity that it has as a brand, as a, in an organization. So what are three things that I would say they had that they got right? First and foremost, Northeastern knows who it is. It's never, ever wavered from its, its brand, its model. Co-op is embedded in everything that it does. It is its differentiator. Lots of schools have tried to replicate it. In fact, Way back when, as you said, in the, the early 2000s, dating myself here, um, we did a lot of work on experiential learning. And, and I remember doing competitive work and, and saying everyone's taking that term and, and applying it. And for us, that really meant we really needed to define the difference in how Northeastern did it. So they never walked away from the differentiation and, and who they are. In fact, they doubled down on it. Right. So in, in today's world, in today's higher education world, there's so many questions about the value of education. Is it worth it? What are the 
where does it lead? What are the outcomes? And Northeastern's a great example of being able to take what was built into its model way back when as a piece of the experience and pull it all the way forward to today's experience for students and point to something that really does drive straight to outcomes and really give students an edge up. So that definitely, I think, is number one. Number two is know your audiences. That sort of transformation from commuter institution along Huntington Ave to top tier global institution was really embedded and really wedded in knowing who they were trying to reach as as an organization, expanding geographic diversity, expanding ethnic diversity, expanding where we were recruiting, being able to go into new markets and introduce Northeastern and introduce this unique differentiation. And there were a lot of years that really focused on knowing the audience and how we introduced Northeastern into new markets was key. And then the last thing I would say, and that's probably a little bit connected to number two, but the last area that I had the most fun in is experimentation and innovation. I mentioned that my last couple of years there, I was focused in the professional uh, lifelong learning audience. And I was on the ground when we opened our first campus in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now I think they might be up to eight or 10 campuses all across Audra the knows, right? How many are we up how to? How many campuses are, are they up to now, Audra? I, I don't want I think I, it's 10 too. I don't want to be wrong. Though, and I don't want to be wrong, but it might be. And they're also, I mean, they are now in Canada as well. Right. So yeah, they've expanded a lot. And all over the world. And right. London. Um, the, the Oakland's campus that um, they uh, merged with a couple of years ago. So innovation at the core of what they do. I, I think that's a key that most institutions can learn from being able to to target areas of opportunity to think strategically about what those opportunities are to resource them appropriately, and then to build frameworks for a success. That for me was a key that I think uh, we can all learn from across higher education. It's so funny because you basically mentioned the three reasons that I wanted to work at Northeastern <laughs> when I did before I took my plunge into entrepreneurship. The one thing that I maybe wasn't able to articulate at that time is the ability to reach new audiences because yeah. of the strong sense of differentiation. So I may have focused more on sort of the maturity of its MarTech, which is also yeah. not a common thing. But it's so funny to me because so you come from Northeastern, which is one of the best differentiated institutions in the country. And then you go to Babson, which is potentially even more differentiated just because <laughs> nature yeah. um, has this niche on entrepreneurship. So What has that been like, just taking that differentiation and maybe making it a little bit more focused because you have a more narrow audience at Babson, I would argue? Yeah, no, that's a great point. So at Northeastern, the differentiation cut across so many disciplines, so many different academic areas of focus, right? One day you could be talking to the nursing school and the next day you're talking to the business school and a lot of context switching and just making sure that you were thinking about how to apply that the brand and the messaging at the very highest level, but also attracting those students that were individually interested in those different differentiation points across each discipline. At Babson, we absolutely own a, a differentiation um, around entrepreneurship that has been at the core of a Babson experience, um, and it remains at the core of a Babson experience. When I first arrived at Babson, um, we well, I, I was also arriving with a new president. And so the new president um, at the time really focused on our strategic uh, plan and our strategic investigation on where we had opportunity to broaden our position. 
and really focus on, again, that value that we were creating out of the differentiation that Babson has. That's led us to really focus on entrepreneurial leadership as a broadening of our entrepreneurship position. And for me, the lessons learned back at Northeastern all still apply today. Knowing our audience, understanding how we introduce a, a position or the way that we approach education to younger audiences. What does entrepreneurship mean to a 16-year-old? We talk a lot about that. How do we make sure that our prospective students understand the value of a Babson education and what those outcomes, anticipated outcomes are going to be? So all I think same foundational uh, elements that we're thinking about across all higher education, but the fact that at Babson, we, we have this tremendous foundation of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership, I think is just a, an opportunity that yeah, you don't get very often. Yeah. And you've been there five years now, if I'm doing my math. Five years. Yeah. And I hear enrollment is looking really good, really incredible yeah. results between you and, and your partners in enrollment. So that's really awesome. One of my favorite things to talk to higher ed marketers about is, I mean, I love marketing, but also culture and strategy and yeah. the unique position that we have to influence both. In your CMO role, what opportunities do you have to inform the strategic plan, strategic initiatives, and transform culture toward innovation and change? Yeah, great question. So I am fortunate at Babson that I report into a president and I sit at a senior leadership level. And so I do have a seat at the table. I think that's really important for higher ed marketers across the board, that marketing voice is there and has the ability to be in the conversations about strategic opportunities, strategic objectives. As I said, when our new president um, at the time, our president's been there for five years, so I can't say he's new anymore. But when President Spinelli came, um, first thing that um, we did as an organization was a strategic plan, a strategic review of our organization, where there's opportunity for doubling down, where there's opportunity for differentiation. And as part of that, we right away did a brand study. And so Marketing's Voice was in that, really looking deeply at what the market was seeking, what the market was telling us about what they wanted in education, the, the value of education meant to them, and what the Babson brand meant to them as, as part of being in our, in our audience and our customer base, if you will. So I think there's a, it's really important that marketers do have that opportunity to be in those strategic conversations and be able to bring from the outside that research, that voice, that reality, if you will, sometimes to help inform those strategic conversations. I've been um, involved in the strategic plan development all along the way, really focused on creating the critical objectives for the institution so that I know what our priorities are. I have a voice in those priorities and marketing has an understanding. My team has an understanding of where we need to put our resources to be able to support the institution at its highest level, most strategic area. I know that a lot of us in higher ed are talking about silos constantly. So if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who's maybe a little bit newer to the space, who gets frustrated easily because in higher ed, things don't often yeah. work in this really streamlined way, what would be advice you would give someone? Like how to handle that, how you have handled it. You've been working like this for a long time. You must still sometimes run into silos, but you probably have some good tricks up, to, up your sleeve to overcome them as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my whole 
background and experience is, is higher education. So it's funny when I get asked this question, I don't really can't compare it to corporate, but I would imagine in the corporate world, silos exist similar to, to higher education. And I think my advice across the board for anybody stepping into higher ed or, or experiencing that higher ed is to really take a step back and understand the role of marketing and ground yourself in the role of marketing at an institution. So by that, I mean that I do believe that marketers are meant to be uh, strategic dot connectors. I talk about this with my team all the time. We're in one conversation and we're listening and, and engaging and talking through maybe one strategy. And there are nuggets that you pick up in that conversation that light bulbs should, should be going off and should be saying to you, you know what, if I just connect with that person and expand on this idea, then I'm breaking down a silo, I'm advancing an idea, I'm advancing information that will help somebody do their job. I always ask, uh, I always recommend that we ask some fundamental questions as we start conversations. What am I trying to achieve here? Why am I at the table? What are we trying to achieve as an organization? Why are we at the table together? That really, I think, grounds people in, and why are we here? What's the point of pulling me into a conversation, or pulling you into a conversation so that you can get your mindset to that table and understand why you're there. I think that creates more accountability for you as a part, as a participant in that meeting or in that conversation. And it really sparks the requirement, if you will, of advancing that strategic focus. I always ask who else needs to know. I, I, that's one that we run through with my team a lot. We're in a conversation talking about a, a, a piece of a, the business or a strategy. And if you pause at the end and say, who else needs to know about this or who else should know about this or who else can know about this? I think that helps any professionals, but almost the, more importantly, the folks that are just entering higher education to, to really double down on that responsibility of marketing being that dot connector, that, that connector voice. And then the last piece I would say in a question that it's, I think is really important to ask, is there anything I can do to advance this idea? Is there anything that I can do as a participant in this meeting or a person that knows about this information to help others learn about this information or help others engage? So we have tools, all of us have tools within our organization, internal newsletters, portals, emails, whatever it be, teams. Sometimes it just takes that pause to say, what else can I do to advance this idea? And maybe the answer is simple as, well, if you send an email to ABC people, they'll be better connected and, and maybe they can contribute to the idea. So collaboration, connection, communication, those are fundamental things that I think are important to everybody. But I think that helps when you're in a position trying to figure out how do I break down some of these silos. And then the last really impo important thing I will say, and, and I maybe should have started this, is we talk a lot about coming to the table with a mindset of positive intent. I think today's day and age, we're all overwhelmed. There's a lot going on. You get a lot of communication and it's really easy to say, man, I wish I knew about this earlier or I was intentionally left out or whatever it may feel to you. But if you come to the table with a mindset of positive intent, I'm here to communicate. I'm here to engage. That person is here to communicate with me and to ask me what my ideas are. I think that changes the conversation. I think it changes the game. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's so interesting, Carrie, that you mentioned that you don't have that much experience outside of higher ed dealing with silos. But I think in our and Suzanne and I's journey of starting Viv, we talk about silos all the time because I think humans are very 
it's very easy for us to just go into a silo and be like, I'm really good at this, or this team's really good at this, or this team's really good at that. So you want to do that really well, but you have to have good communication and collaboration and this positive mindset across the groups in order to make sure that the end product serves the audiences, right, ultimately right. in the very best way. And right. when you were talking about like sitting at the table and what you were at, what you have to advocate for, or the way that you have to share information, I'm thinking sometimes you're sitting there advocating for the audience that the everyone else is like really trying to serve in such a great way, but maybe they're not quite understanding like one thing about that audience, right? Right. Um, That's right. Yeah. So like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, you, you would find me saying in meetings often, if someone isn't aware of something that we're doing or feels strongly about a position, I, I will say, let's anchor back on the audience. Or one of my favorite sayings is, you're not the target audience. And so maybe I can explain to you why we created it this way or why we're doing it this way. But let's put ourselves in the shoes of the target audience. And I can tell you on a, a personal note, I it's interesting. I'm a mom of a high school senior. And so I'm in it right now. And there's nothing like having the target audience sitting with you every single day, watching them go through that journey. So I think audience and residents, a target audience. <laughs> yes. My, my team is benefiting from a box full of materials that are coming to the house. And I do think it makes a difference in how you think about what we're, how you think about yourself as a marketer and what we're doing from a marketing strategy standpoint. Yeah. Do you have currently an audience that you really love to market to? Like, is there just one where you're like, I, I will market to anybody, but I really love the undergrads or I love the students who are looking for graduate degrees? I, yeah, I mean, I love the undergraduate experience. I, it's where I grew up at Northeastern, as I mentioned, and go way back to the start of my story, right? Education changed my life. And so I think as a the responsibility of higher ed marketers is to really actually start earlier in the the journey. If I had my druthers, I would be uh, focusing all of my time on even that like middle school, early high school um, audience. I think higher education um, has an opportunity to maybe change the narrative and help students understand the outcomes and the anticipated experiences that they can have at any kind of institution. And so for me, my heart and my love is always going to be in that sort of uh, undergraduate audience, preparing students for that life-changing opportunity that they can have in whatever college pursuit they have. This podcast is sponsored by Viv Higher Education, a Boston-based women-owned consulting firm and marketing agency for colleges and universities. Viv specializes in integrating content and paid media strategies to drive brand awareness and enrollment growth. You can learn more about Viv at vivhiret.com, that's V-I-V-H-I-E.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. Can you talk a little bit about how your team at Babson is maybe harnessing what you just talked about as they think about the enrollment cliff? Because we've read a lot about how, you know, we all at this point, I think, have heard about the enrollment cliff. And I think that's making teams have conversations around how do you get to people when they are they are younger and to their decision makers, right, to their parents in a way that works for those people at that time where when their child, you know, or is 18 or 17, that they actually then pick that school. Yeah, I, I would say 
we talk a lot about the enrollment cliff at Babson, and we're talking about it a lot to your point across higher education, right? We cannot rest on our laurels no matter what institution you're representing. The brands that I've been fortunate enough to work with, we've talked about Babson, we've talked about Northeastern, we've talked about the fact that they have a differentiation component coming to the table. It's baked into the model. It's baked into the way that we educate our students. There are a lot of schools that are still looking for and examining what is that differentiation point, what is the value of the education that students are having at that particular institution. And and I think that's a really important place for marketers to be in. In those conversations, if you're in an institution that is examining its value and its its strategy and differentiation point, really important to be looking at both internal and external lens. Internal meaning, what are we doing as an organization, as an academic institution to evolve our programs and and align with what the market is looking for? External meaning, going to talk to the market, right? So we talked about the N of one in the focus groups, and it's true at Babson, we are consistently talking to the market. We are getting feedback constantly on what students are looking for, why they're choosing Babson, why they're not choosing Babson. That's a really important data point. If you're a higher ed marketer and you don't know why students are, n- are not choosing you, I would encourage you to, to, to look for that data and, and really look at the market and ask, um, what is it about our brand, our reputation, our experience that maybe isn't resonating? We're talking at Babson about the innovation that needs to happen in the undergraduate experience what that might look like in a world where students are much more comfortable in a remote learning environment. What does that mean for their experiences? How do they engage with faculty and and keep that one-on-one personal relationship with faculty that is so important, but bring more of that technology and remote experience into the classroom? What does global education mean in today's world and how do we continue to make sure that our students are getting a global component to their education? And then the, the, the last piece, I would say back to the enrollment cliff piece, very specifically on the demographics, it's getting into those, the schools and getting to that younger middle school, early high school audience that doesn't know Babson and doesn't know the value that we can provide as an, org, as an institution. So new markets for us are really important. And introducing ourselves to maybe folks that that aren't feeling the demographic cliff so much and have an opportunity to really introduce Babson into those markets as well. That makes a ton of sense. One of the reasons our team loves Babson so much is you all also have built an incredible engine of content marketing and brand journalism and brand storytelling. And so when I think about Gen Z and then Gen Alpha and what they're going to be looking for, you all seem to already be a lot further along and being able to tell raw and authentic stories. One of the things that we've seen Gen Z really looking for is more of that authentic, vulnerable piece to focus on mental health and resources on campus. Are you finding the same thing? And how do you make sure that the stories that reach those students in middle school and early high school reflect that generational um, piece, right? I think yeah. you said you do a ton of research, so that's one piece. And then how do you turn that research into action, I guess, is what I'm curious about. Yeah, so I, I think there's a an interesting answer to that. It's hire your students. 
hire the students that are there, talk to them, let them create the content for you. We have tremendous interns that work with us that are out every day gathering content, talking to their peers. One of them told us that it's the most coveted job on campus these days and that that students are coming up to her and saying, hey, how'd you get that job? I want to be on the TikTok. I want to be running the, the content. So they are who we're trying to recruit, right? And they're there for a reason. So being able to bring them in and hear them authentically, what were the things that they were looking for when they were going through that journey? What did they hope that we, they want to, what are they looking to tell to the next generation of students? That for us has been, I think, a really fun part of the work that we've been doing over the last couple of years. And it just makes the content better. It just makes it authentic and, and raw to your point, but it makes it fun. And being able to see through the lens of the student, I think, is really important. The other piece, and, and we're talking a lot on the undergraduate side, but I would say that being able to expand the story and connect the, the value proposition, no matter the audience. So graduate experience at Babson, very grounded in entrepreneurship. We have different personas of MBA students that, that we attract and that we educate. And so being able to tell the story about what it means to be, for example, a full-time MBA student on a campus, working with faculty members directly, working with our centers and institutes and being able to get the resources and work with resources that help that full-time student um, achieve their dreams is, is different than talking to part-time working adults, for example, that might be taking courses online and looking for a flexible model and, and an education that fits their life. So that content journey and the stories that we're telling are very aligned to the people that we're trying to attract and the personas that we're trying to attract. And for us, I think that's been a really important uh, part of our content development strategy, making sure that the stories and the, the content are aligned with what the audiences are seeking. It seems like there's a recipe, do the research on your audiences, build personas, and then you said hire your students, but also turn yeah. personas into actionable stories. Into stories. Um, yeah. It's really cool. And I just, I, I don't think that's the case at that many institutions yet. And we're all working towards that. So it's, yeah. it's so awesome to see it in action at Babson. It's so much. Yeah, it's funny. I would just quickly say to you, Susanna, it is, it sounds so strategic and neat and clean when you talk it out and put it in, in, in our conversation. But anybody that's listening and again, starting from the ground up or maybe has multiple audiences and they're thinking, how do I do this across the audiences? It, it just start, right? Like we talk a lot about progress, not perfection. We're doing a lot of analysis on campaigns, individual campaigns, build a piece of content, put it in the market test it, t look at the data. What is it telling you? Is it resonating? Are people engaging with it? Is it helping to drive traffic and impressions? Is that what it's supposed to be doing for us? Or is it supposed to be driving engagement and leads and evaluating those pieces? But just start, pick an audience, do some fundamental research, and, and you'll see that it's once you get started, it gets to that sort of perfectly aligned machine right. that we're talking about, but it's not built overnight for sure. Almost like and an doing entrepreneurial that. mindset. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But doing that's also a way to get stakeholder buy-in. Like sometimes it can be really hard to get someone to buy into like, 
a whole like large strategy, even if it is the most perfect thing ever to do. Right. Sometimes like when there's some pushback, it's like people can usually sign on to like a pilot. Right. They're like, yeah, okay, like one thing at a time. Like, let's try that. You get data, you can give like recommendations, then they can see it themselves, especially for those who are like need to like see it or are more visual. And they're like, oh, I, I get it now because not all the people we have to talk to in university environments understand marketing to the degree that we do. And so you can act as almost like your own form of, a, of an educator or a professor to people and, and get them to buy into something and to see its value and then scale it up and make it bigger from there. That's right. And that, Audra, goes back to the, the conversation about the role of marketing. And I said, we're connectors, right? We're collaborators. So being vulnerable enough to be at the table and lay that out to a partner to be able to say, look, we're, this is what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to improve the yield in a, on a certain audience, on our undergraduate audience or undergraduate applications. Here's what we know about that audience. Here's an idea we want to test and put into market. And here's how we're going to measure being able to have those conversations and being transparent about what we know and what we don't know, I think is is so key. But yes, starting and being grounded in the what are we trying to achieve in the date, I think is really important. So much fun to talk to you. We could keep this going, I'm sure, for <laughs> multiple hours. But want to end with sort of the question of what advice would you just give generally someone who's looking to lead in higher education for the next years, decades, what do you think is really important for them to have front and center at all times? So I think the most important thing right now is empathetic, strong leadership skills. I think that being a marketer in any industry, but in higher education, is a, it's a oftentimes difficult position to be in because it is an area that's so responsible for the brand, the reputation, the tie to the enrollment uh, results of the organization. But sometimes you feel like you don't have all the strings to pull in all of the areas. So I, I think it's really important that leadership skills lead here, if you will. I say to folks all the time, these, the marketing strategic pieces that we're doing, uh, they're important. They change the face of institutions. They can absolutely help an institution evolve. But the most important thing you're doing is sitting at a table, leading, bringing people together and having that opportunity to change the, the conversations and change the trajectory of the organization from a leadership perspective. So my advocacy these days is for really strong leaders to continue to develop their skills continue to remember that we're all humans and that back to that positive mindset and positive intent and that the goal is really in this moment to better the institution, to leave it better than you found it and to work on and grow those skills that make us stronger leaders and, and better communicators and stronger collaborators. I love that so much. And I think it's really important to say that specifically about marketing, because too many institutions treat their marketing departments like order takers, like a Kinko's yeah. office. I think Jamie Hunt told me when I interviewed her and I had to laugh because it's so true. So that leadership aspect is so important in flipping the narrative. I know you're right. not, you're already a strategic partner at the table, but that's certainly right. not the case everywhere. So I love that so much. Right. And I would just close with, and I think it's important to say back to the journey of Babson, um, it wasn't 
easy to get to be able to flip that narrative, right? It took a long time to, to, for folks to see us as a strategic partner to the organization. So it is a, a transformation. It's showing up and reminding folks that, again, we're trying to market to an audience that's not sitting with us every single day and bringing that research in and bringing that voice of the customer back in. Um, but it is a transformation of marketers that that I think continues to um, be really important at many institutions for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so much fun to have you and to chat Thank with you. you. People want to connect with you. Is LinkedIn their best bet? It is. Awesome. Happy to have folks connect with me. Thank you so much. And Thank you both very much. You're always a wonderful partner and pleasure to work with. And I'll talk to you anytime. thank you you for joining us on this episode today if you found value in our conversation don't forget to subscribe to higher ed leaders so you never miss an episode do leave a rating or review that really helps us get this podcast into the hands of those doing the transformative work of higher education leadership and please do follow our company viv higher education on linkedin or visit us at vivhired.com. That's V-I-V-H-I-E-D.com. We will also be talking about our episodes using the hashtag Hired Leaders Podcast. And we will see you next time.